What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 52 of Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. We want to thank you for tuning in, just like you have been every week. Uh, We're very excited. We are coming up on our first year anniversary. Uh, We started releasing episodes last June, right on June 12th was our first episode. And we're coming up around those dates now, and we are super excited. Um... I'll be honest, I'm honored to be able to talk about this stuff and make a normalization to talking about mental health. Uh, it's very important, and especially nowadays when so many people feel so isolated and anxiety is running high, and it it needs to be an everyday conversation. And we try to make it a little bit easier to have those conversations and be a little bit more open about it. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for all your reviews and your ratings. So if you're rating us on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to star, scribe, and share because that will make it easier for people to find. And uh, we're grateful for all the reviews. Uh, We are five stars, which is pretty cool. You know, you can't get any higher than that. And this week we are going to continue our guest segments. Uh, We have a very special guest this week. It is Sandra Goldmere. She is from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She is actually the area director for the Capital Region New York chapter, which is the chapter that I'm a board member of and have been a volunteer of since 2017. So without further ado, let's bring on Sandra Goldmere. Let it roll! Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Foley and Timothy Patrick. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 52 of Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast. Because you can't serve below. That's right. That is my co-host, TPP. You down with TPP? Yeah, you know me. Uh, <laughs> what's up, Timmy? <laughs> How we doing this week, brother? I, um, I'm doing all right. I'm here. I'm, I uh, watched the struggle bus drive by a few times, but I let it pass, you know? All right. See, you didn't get on. That's good. No, I didn't get on. No. And I didn't get any phone calls, so I figured I didn't have to come meet the bus somewhere along the line. Nah, so. awesome. That's a good thing. Yeah, that is a good thing. So last week, we actually did our very first uh, guest spot. Uh, We had Amanda Madison on, who is an MSW. And this week on episode 52, we are going to continue that. I have a very special guest here this morning with us, and she's awesome. She is the area director for the Capital Region Chapter of New York of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which if you guys pay attention, I'm a part of. And her name is Sandra Goldmere. Sandra, thank you so much for being Woo-hoo! here with How are well, you? Thank you so much for having me. I am fabulous. I am uh, out, you know, looking outside at the beautiful weather and uh, thinking that is a great thing. So. Yes, yeah, so we've got to be grateful for the beautiful weather. It is gorgeous exactly. out now. As New York starts to open up from... From our pandemic lockdown, we'll see how far that goes after all the traffic I've seen this weekend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I spent a lot of time planting yesterday. I'm working on creating a garden. So God. I figured something, we should create things that grow because that's about positivity and moving forward. So. I love it. That's awesome. That brings us to our very first 
thing, man. How did you come to AFSP? What is your connection to suicide prevention, mental health, and how did you find your way into, into this whole soup that we have? Well, it's actually a pretty um, interesting path. I spent 25 years of my life working in Jewish faith-based nonprofit, mostly with teenagers, um, and dealt with mental health on that side. I actually got trained in um, mental health first aid when I was working for them way back in the uh, early 2000s, um, all up actually through from 2009 to 2016. Um, and dealing with different groups, LGBT and those kind of communities. I left that in 2016 and then worked for Susan G. Komen for a couple of years and um, had a really good friend who is, um, has walked in the AFSP overnight for the last couple of years um, and had been an attempt survivor himself. Um, and actually I had committed to walk in the overnight even before I was recruited for this job last fall um, and oddly enough, when my husband and I were in Saratoga State Park last October, we just happened to be in the park the day of the walk. Uh -huh. So um, I got to actually see a little bit of what the walk is about. Um, but I began with AFSP in November. So uh, June 1st actually will be my six months. Um, I'm really excited. Um, and not really, the word is not excited. Honored to do the work that I do. Um, and I really feel like my job and all of the jobs that I've had is really sort of just to hold space for people to be able to be the people they are and tell their stories. I did it with teens for a long time. Um, I did it with students when I ran a school. And I really feel like here at AFSP, my job is to do that. I have a number of friends who've lost family members to suicide um, or friends to suicide and a number of people who are um, have lived experience or attempt survivors. Um, and I really just, work for them and to create the space so that everybody has a place to be. Um, and I really feel like AFSP, you know, although the word suicide is in there, um, it's really about hope. And it's about, you know, we have a, an advocate who talks about hope as an acronym for helping to op open people's eyes. And I love that because I think that's our job is to really um, help open people's eyes to the fact that they have a role they can take in helping people see the light and to not um, die by suicide. Wow, that's awesome. I love that. Um, hope, yeah, that's kind of, kind of what we do here every week is we, we hold space. Uh, for a long time, we've been holding space for each other and having our conversations. And now as we open it up to others in the, in the field, and I, the way we look at it here at Above Ground Podcast is everything starts with mental health and mental health being so important and mental wellness having a, having to be that. Um, and it's incredible to have a spot and be able to do this every week and, and bring on people like yourself and, and hear other people's stories and how, and how they're holding space. Um, we have several programs at American Foundation for Suicide Prevention that, that help carry on those conversations. Uh, one is our Real Convo Initiative, which is uh, more than a hashtag. It's, it's a way to open up and hold space for others. And also Talk Saves Lives, which is a big program that we are currently doing virtually. Uh, Sandra has tons of programs coming up, both in the, in the private and corporate sector where she's doing them for private organizations, but we also have some open ones that you can sign up for and I'll show them. And I'll have those links in the show notes for this week. 
Um, what is, so for you, what is, what is like the first thing when we talk about having a real conversation? Like how do, how do we start that conversation? And, and is, there, is there any particular things, like tips to just start to say? Is it just, hey, how are you doing? I mean, does that really start the conversation or is, it, or is there need to be something a little bit more specific? I don't really think there needs to be anything more specific. You don't have to have any special skills to open up a conversation about mental health. I think you just need to come to it from a place of, of caring. And really, you know, it's about any other time when you want to have a serious conversation with someone. It's about active listening. It's actually the time to sort of put your phone down um, and really focus on listening and not just talking with someone. It's about saying, you know, either sharing your, you know, is sharing your concern with someone or saying, you know, I've seen that you seem to be struggling. Um, and I, you know, when I've struggled, um, I, you know, it helped for me to talk to somebody, you know, what's going on with you that maybe this is what I've seen that's changed or, you know, we've all been right now, we've all been so isolated that talking to other people is really a lifeline. And so I just think it's about just being open and, and, and realizing that we should be comfortable talking about our mental health just like we are about our physical health. We don't have a problem telling somebody, oh, my back hurts or I worked out too hard yesterday and, and, and I'm sore. Well, we are working so hard every day during this crisis um, and even before this that our mental health sometimes struggles too. And to be able to say to somebody, I'm having a tough day um, or to ask somebody if they're having a tough day. Um, it should just become part of our normal life. Agree fully. It's funny that you had mentioned about like, uh, um, you know, if you get hurt, your back, get, you know, somebody hurts their back or whatever, you, you know, you can talk about that. Um, you know, that there's, there's this whole thing surrounding, you know, if I break my leg or my arm, people will rush over to sign my cast. But if I tell them I'm depressed and I need someone to talk to, they kind of shy away. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's all about that stigma. I think that we, the more we talk about it and the more that we have these conversations and the more that we have podcasts like yours, the more people will be comfortable. And actually, I think, you know, if there is a bright spot to what we've all gone through for these last number of months is that the research is showing that more people are reaching out and talking about the fact that they're struggling. Um, and they are reaching out to make more connections, even if it's a little bit, it's huge. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes is that first step. Cause that's generally how it, that's generally how anything starts is with that first step. You got to make that decision to, to take that, to take that initiative. And for me, I've always kind of been an open book. I've kind of worn my heart on my sleeve, so to speak. So I've never really had a problem with talking about my own personal struggles. I, I do still find it. I, I it's, it's funny because you, you have to kind of look at the group of people that you're with and you have to validate their experience because their experience is not going to be your experience. And you said you've worked with teens a lot and in the LGBTQ community community, is, is there a real big difference among people or is it just this perceived difference that we have? I mean, I know that there's certain aspects of everybody's journey that we don't understand because we just don't walk in those shoes. But as, as like a teen compared to talking to 
someone else? Is there is there specific things that we should be looking for when we're dealing with certain pe- certain groups of people? You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, that's the one thing about APHIS-B is I'm not a mental health professional, but the one thing I think is that what we all want is to be seen and we want to be heard. And I think- And heard, yes. And, and a lot of it is that we- because of stigma and and tim said it is that you know if we say to somebody we're struggling people pull back because they don't know what to say or they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing and i think that what people just want to be is seen and heard and that if they and you know we talk about this and specifically with suicide and suicide prevention but that you know if you are concerned you should never expect somebody else to be the person to reach out because you could be the first person and and research has shown that just that questioner asking somebody what even this is specific to suicide but it could be just for somebody struggling to ask them you know are you okay are you struggling that may be the first person and and they have been feeling alone and isolated and like nobody is no is seeing their pain and seeing them and that may be that first door that opens to give to say to, to, to for them to feel like oh i can go talk to someone i can you know even if it's need to, needing to be a professional someone is that you know i do deserve to be heard and seen because somebody has seen me and i think that for any anybody that's the strongest piece um, and i think i especially for my teens um and I did, a, you know, I was, my work with LGBT was, was really through the teen lens and, and they were educating me a lot about the fact of what I didn't know. Um, and I think that it's really just about allowing people to be seen where they are. Well said. I have a quick question, like to, it kind of goes with that and uh, what you would, um, your response to Will's question earlier with you know, starting a conversation with somebody. What, if you have any tips or anything that can help, my question would be, cause I'm kind of pertaining it to myself. Like I'm more of an introvert, I guess, if you want to label things. And um, just the more we do, Will and I do this, and the more I get involved in the whole mental health community and watch Will and how open he is, I try to open up a little bit more myself but uh, you know being someone that lives with mental illness how how is there any tips for me to reach out to somebody just because i have that awkwardness myself so it's kind of i want to open up and be like hey are you okay do you need anything but sometimes in you know it's in my head that you know i just i just there's something holding me back whether it's you know my own personal struggles or or awkwardness or whatever you want to call it well you know i think um and it's interesting i i will remind you we have sort of a guide and i was sort of peeking at the guide and it says you know you, you never have to worry about it being exactly perfect when you reach out the timing doesn't have to be perfect the wording doesn't have to be perfect it's really just about you know, they gave examples that says, you know, especially today, it's like, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, I've been feeling stressed out. I'm wondering if you've also been feeling stressed out. If you, you know, uh-huh. with somebody who struggles, it might be a easier for someone else to talk to me, say, you know, these are the things I've been struggling with. Um, and this is what I've been doing to cope. In fact, in, in our virtual walks, one of the things that's been most impactful is for people to sort of talk about what they've been doing to cope. 
because it allows people to see maybe, oh, that's not something I've thought about. We put out an AFSP, some, some um, social media graphics and uh, Will, you can probably put the link up to that, to the COVID AFSP um, page too, that has some of this. That is, you know, how do you support your mind and your body and your soul and your surroundings, things to keep you more comfortable, which helps with your mental health in general. How do you create yourself those safe um, and supportive spaces in all those areas? Um, you know, but it can also be a text, you know, you can always, you know, text someone and say, you know, I noticed the other day you seemed a little stressed out, you know, let me know a time that we can talk um, and see if they, you know, and, and don't expect, they may not be ready to talk the first time. Yeah. It can take a couple of times, but just being able to, you know, offer to go with a, on a socially distanced, of course, but go for a walk with someone. Just that being together when people have been so isolated may open up that conversation. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah. yeah seize the awkward, as we like to say. Yes. Yeah. Which is, uh, and you know, so it's, it's pretty interesting at this point to, um, to actually, people are so feeling so isolated now that people may actually get caught off guard by you asking those types of questions. Cause most people don't ask those types of questions. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see the difference in Timmy since Tim and I, Tim and I have been friends for a long time and um, I've watched him struggle and, and Tim and I have this really weird dynamic because we've worked together before we played together in a band. <laughs> we've done, we've done all kinds of stuff and our relationship has kind of come full circle because there was a time where Tim and I actually didn't talk. And there was this like this perception of, of, I, I don't know, anima like some weird dynamic that was going on before him and I actually ran into each other in a supermarket and both of us looked at each other and didn't know what the other one was going to say. And it was just a matter of starting the conversation again and saying, how are you doing? You know, and it's like sometimes those odd spots of, of catching people off guard actually makes them at ease a little bit more. As much as it's a shock to the system right away, it's almost like those paddles to the heart, man, when you're trying to restart somebody's heart. It's like, boom, they, it jumps it, but then all of a sudden they're, they start to smooth out a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I think it is about just sort of jumping in and asking those questions and being willing to ask the real questions. Um, this week, I don't know if either of you guys uh, followed this, but Kenneth Cole, um, and the Mental Health Coalition started this thing called the How Are You Really campaign. And AFSB has been part of that, um, as well as uh, lots of stars on the internet. And I know, like, um, I, I'm actually online, and Kendall Jenner, of all people, um, like, nominated <laughs> 500 people to do it. And it's really about people just sort of saying how you're feeling in this time. And it's real, its goal is to end the stigma. It's just, you know, when people say, how are you? And you say, fine. Nobody's really fine when they say fine. It's like, so how are you really? It's really being able to say, you know, breaking down that part is that when the first time we ask somebody how they are, um, they're generally going to give us that flip answer. But it's when they know that you really want to know and you're really willing to listen. Because often, pe you know, people will say, oh, you don't really want to hear this. Yes, I do. That's why I asked. And to be able to sit there and being willing to even sometimes sit in that uncomfortable silence because we all try yeah. to fill up space yeah. yep. we don't leave we don't leave silences and if you'll just sit there um it sort of reminds me i don't know if there's this old cartoon of Pooh and piglet um 
where they talk about, uh, I think it's Piglet who's depressed and Pooh just sits with him and he goes, you know, he says, it's okay, I've been here before. I can sit here too. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's that, um, it's that opportunity. These aren't yeah. all, these aren't comfortable things to talk about for a lot of people, but I will say this for myself. It is sometimes hard to sit in that silence. Like for me, I have no problem with shutting down. Like I have no problem with sitting quietly in my own corner, but I do actually get uncomfortable when people are sitting there with me <laughs> at times, which is yeah. kind of odd because I, I need connection myself. But then I also have realized that I am an, introverted extrovert where I can, I would much rather be by myself a lot of the times. Like I can spend hours by myself and not be bothered by that. But then when I'm out, I'm out, but I do know that it exhausts me at times. Like I I noticed that it's hard to fill up my own cup. So as we're talking about this, what Sandra are you doing right now to keep you positive? What, what are some of the things that you're doing during this time is have you used this to, not that you have a lot of downtime because you're obviously very busy providing programs and, and things, but what personally are you doing to keep up the positive vibes in your own life? Yeah, well, I, I am definitely an extrovert. So, and I feed on people, um, which for, for a job where I work solo all the time, cause I'm the only field worker in, you know, 15 counties of upstate New York. Um, I love giving presentations and whatever. Um, I actually have been walking a lot because I uh, I had committed to do the overnight um, and they canceled it. Well, they made it virtual. They did not cancel it because none of what we do can ever be canceled, the work we do. Um, so I've been walking a lot. I'm actually supposed to be going for at least 10 miles today, although I did that last Saturday and I really thought I was done. <laughs> um, there's this huge hill that comes up from Watervliet up to Latham and I walked up it. And it was awful, but I survived. And um, and I'm I am trying my hand at gardening, which I have never done before. I've always wanted to, but I have a really good friend whose son decided to build raised, um, like three foot or off the ground beds. Yeah, raised yeah. beds. Like, yep. Vegetable garden beds, and he's building them in this time of quarantine. Beautiful ones. So I bought one, and then I bought dirt, and then I planted vegetables, and now we're going to see how it works. Um, I have no expectations of getting any vegetables out of it, but at least it will be pretty. And, um, you know, so I'm doing that. It is, you know, there've been some memes that say, check on your extroverted friends. It is, uh, I've been doing a lot more video chats with friends. I did it more in the beginning and have sort of fallen off it now. Um, but trying to connect more with people, even virtually than with people I normally see, um, but now that the weather's getting better, you know, out in the, at about more, but I am pretty strict on the masking and social distancing. So, um, we'll see, uh, how many, uh, how much, you know, we'll see how, as things open, it is, uh, it is definitely an unsettling time, but it's, but you know, as long as we all do it together, I think we'll be just fine. Timmy, what about cool. you, man? What about you? What are you doing to stay positive? I know you just said you've been, you know, the struggle bus has passed the house a few times this week. So. Yeah, yeah, it has. I, uh, I think, uh, you know, it's it's the usual for me. It's uh, music. Um, thankfully, I do walk every day, um, and lately I've been getting the extra vitamin D, which is a positive. Um, listening to um, audiobooks, podcasts stuff like that um have always helped um 
I, you know, I, I usually tend to write stuff down, like whether it's for this podcast, you know, I'll take notes on stuff. I haven't really done that. I've been feeling a little overwhelmed. Like I don't have enough time to do things, um, which probably started the whole, um, the bus struggle, you know, sightings, I guess you could say, but, um, but I yeah, would the say route, the route changed on the bus a little bit, I guess. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> but I would say, um, yeah, the usual stuff, maybe add in um, my motorcycle. Now that I was going to say, is, now's the weather, man. You should be out yeah. there. And... Yep. Yeah, I'm going to get out probably, hopefully today and um, hopefully tomorrow a little bit as well. Awesome. Dude, just so you know, I, when I had spoken to you the other day, I, I knew that you were, you were riding it a little bit. I could tell just in, in talking to you, like I can tell when you're like having a yeah. bad day, like in our conversation, I was like, okay, that's why I said to breathe. Cause I could tell you were just like, you were going, man. You were, I was like, Oh, <laughs> he's, he's riding it hard a little bit this week. Yeah. Um, I, I've actually, we, I shared several posts yesterday, one of them that Timmy sent me about uh, getting out in the nature and grounding, especially. And now that I finally got my lawnmower fixed, some semi fixed seems to work when it feels like working, even though I just put money into it. Um, I actually got my lawn mowed and I've, I've been out on my front lawn. I have the perfect little square of front lawn that I walk on, that I ground. I find that grounding, being out in my bare feet is actually very, very beneficial to me. It helps me, helps me think. There's been times where like we've been on AFSP phone calls and I've been literally on my front lawn walking and people are walking by and I've got earbuds in. And I'm walking. <laughs> it looks like I'm talking to myself, but but I find that just being outside has helped. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have the space that we have because I have a deck that I get to go sit out in the morning. And when I am practicing my eight brocades, um, if you don't know what the eight brocades are, they're a, a group of exercises in the Qigong family, um, the eight silken brocades or the Badwan Jin uh, that I've been practicing off and on for the last couple of years. And I find that the energy that I, that I, develop from that is very helpful through the day because I'm not I have a very hard time sleeping um, I don't stay asleep like I used to and I find that it's I can tell when I'm going through a depressive cycle when I want to sleep all the time because that's like a telltale sign for me is when when I'm I'm grinding it hard a little bit and I can't can't stay awake or don't want to wake up and don't want to keep going um, we, uh, we like to finish up our conversations with a couple of semi-serious questions and one non-serious question because it kind of brings it all home for okay. us. And, um, I'm going to have Timmy ask the first question because Timmy, Timmy likes this and, and I like it too. So it'll be interesting to hear what your answer is for the, for this, but, uh, Timmy, if you want to ask. Yeah, sure. Um, what is, if you have either what is your favorite word or your least favorite word? Wow. Hmm. The first thing that popped into my head was therefore, and I don't know why, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I like the word therefore. I've always liked the word therefore. Um, I think it's just a connective word. That, yeah, I was just going to say. That it's, talks yeah. about, you do this, therefore this happens. It's sort of like, you know, it, it, so I don't know. It's just my, 
Like it's, it's my, my kids will tell you that I used to hate the word moist and it's a okay. pretty common word to hate. But, and they used to like say it to me like it was going to bother me. And I don't really care. I worked with teenagers for a really long time. And so that um, I got really numb to that word as well as many others in the cadre of words one could get numb to when you work with teenagers. <laughs> Actually, you know, before we finish up our conversation, I, that was kind of, I, I meant to ask you this. And it's, we've talked about teenagers a lot. And as the father of a growing girl, and Tim actually has a teenager now, which is pretty crazy to think. Yeah, about. I know. Crazy. I know. How, how do we talk to teens who, who have, and, and we're going to get back in this, I'm going to wear my suicide prevention hat, um, because that's a hat that I really like being under. And I, I wanted to ask you, how do we talk to teenagers uh, especially about loss, like the loss of a parent or the loss of a close friend. Like, how do we, like, how do we bring them back? You know what I'm saying? How do we, how do we get them to open up to us? And how, is there something that we should be, is there certain questions that we should be asking them? Is it, cause it's obviously different than talking to a grown up. Not that we're all grown you know up. What? My first thought is, and, and as I said, I've only been in this job six months. So the, uh, a lot of these questions are things I'm still learning. Um, but from what I know from teens, um, I think it just goes back to, you know, meeting them where they are and not treating them like they are, you know, I'm not sure there's so much difference. It's acknowledging their loss and their pain. It's acknowledging that, um, this, these are valid feelings that they're having and they have a right to have them. And I think that we when it comes to, you know, mental health in general, people still say things like, oh, you got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, right? You got to, you know, you got to buck up. Well, no, you know, is that they have a right to feel the way they're feeling, but also that we are here and there is, there, there, we can create for them a soft space to land or a space to be. Um, and it's just helping them feel like that they, that they aren't going to be judged for what they're saying and that these feelings are okay to have because, you know, in some ways I think they're actually far ahead of us in the ability to talk to one another and share their feelings and put themselves out there. Um, and I think that the, the challenge comes is when we shut them down and then they feel like they can't share anymore. Um, and to really not be so, and not be so quick to try to fix and to try to, you know, give them, well, you should be doing this, or, you know, it will just, it'll get better. Well, they don't have the reference of experience that we all do. And I think that, um, that they don't necessarily know that, you know, you guys talk about the struggle with that it can pass, that you don't have to get on. That's right. It can drive by your house without picking you up. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going to get on because there are people that, you know, it's, it, I, I get it. It's a tough thing. Well, sometimes you, sometimes you get, sometimes you get caught on the rear, rear, you know, the side mirror and you don't, you don't really even realize you get on it. You're just wake up one day and you're on this bus and you're like, okay, I didn't realize well, I was on this bus, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I went through a time in my life where I used to have panic attacks. And I remember when I went through and I, 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 uh, I learned skills and I said, it used to be that it was like the train was coming and the train would hit me before I knew the train was there. 
Yeah. And then I could see the train coming and I couldn't, or you could use it as a wave reference too. The wave's a little bit less violent. Is that the wave would come and overtake me and I had no idea the wave was coming. And then I could see the wave coming. I couldn't stop it. Right. But, and then I learned to ride the wave so that. There you go. uh, Surf. And I learned to surf it. So, so I think that comes too, is that, um, the, I, I don't know, Will, if you remember when we were at our chapter leadership conference, somebody talked about um, depression being the, the passenger in the car and that, and that as long as it's the passenger was fine, um, it's that sometimes when you're not doing the self-care that you need, it becomes, it comes to the front seat. The goal is Ooh, to not let it yeah. take the wheel. Yeah, I like that. It's to not let it take the wheel, right? So you can also be on the bus, but is it driving you or are you driving it? And Excellent. so that becomes part of that process. I like that a lot. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's uh, definitely part of the process. And in fact, I want to just add one thing you had mentioned about, you know, it, like it's okay to feel emotions and, you know, being, um, being, I guess, quote, adult. I, that was one thing that hit me so hard and it was such a, uh, an eye opener for me in this, in this, you know, path that someone was like, yeah, we, I mean, we have emotions for a reason and it's okay to feel them. And I was like, wow, I, yeah, I think you're right. And then, you know, unfortunately it took me, you know, 30 plus years to realize that, but um, that was one thing that has, has always stuck with me. Always. I really like that. What's the next question? Oh, so the second question is the lighthearted one. Uh, Cat, dog, or other? Well, I will say I love cats and dogs, although our, ho- our house and our life is becoming very cat focused because we have um, family members and significant others of our children who cannot be around dogs um, for ah. a variety of reasons. And so as much as I love them, um, we will most likely be a very cat focused family and community in our personal lives. Um, uh, and I have had the occasional, you know, hamster, fish, bird, but we have three cats in our house and they, you know, pretty much run our house because you, you, you own dogs and you're owned by cats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We just lost our final cat uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, during this, during this tough time, it was weird because my wife had to bring him to the vet and then they had to bring him in. She couldn't go in, but he was, you know, 17 years old. He had a good life. He was a tough Troy street cat that we adopted. Um, so are you going to end up with a new cat? No, we, we're going to go petless, I think, for a little while because we've never been petless. We've had, we had three cats and a dog at one point. Um, and Bart. Bart, that's right. Timmy remembers Bart. Bart used to love eating off the plate. And everything. <laughs> he was I don't awesome. know if we could go petless in our house. I don't know what I would do. I, the other thing is we've never been able to have dogs because my husband and I used to both travel quite a bit for work and so um and so having a dog just would have been way too hard it's much easier you know you can leave a cat overnight for a few days and cat sitters are not overly expensive and <laughs> dogs are much more complicated so we just did not i love it and our final question timmy do you want to ask it or do you want me to ask it sure i can ask it all but, right um just one thing that you could do for mental health if there was no um, kind of restraints on it, there was no, um, just one thing that you could do for mental health if there was no other, uh, nothing holding you back, I guess. 
Wow, that is a really tough question, actually. Um, I, I think it would be having the ability to make sure that people could get the access to resources um, without restriction. And whether that be, you know, that we have trainings everywhere that need to be, or that people could see providers without worry about cost. Um, we, you know, we're working on parity and all of that, but, um, but all of that requires people to be willing to go too, you know? Sure. Uh, so it's about, but I think it's just creating the access in a variety of ways. Sure. And I like that. Now, is it, it's gotta be, we have an access issue in a lot of ways, not just health insurance wise, but we've spoken to a lot of professionals that have come to AFSP events and stuff. And we find that as many people that we hear are in the field, it's very hard to get an appointment with a therapist often. And it's very hard to find counselors now. Do you find a shortage? Have you heard about shortages? And um, do you think we're going to change that as, because obviously we're facing a time where now you have the people who are generally help that help people are going to be coming to a crisis of their own. Yeah. And do you think that that lack of access even for them is going to be there? I think that what I have heard as far as I think I understand it is that it's, we do have health professionals. The question is whether they are available due to the fact of what are they being reimbursed to do the work that they do. Um, so that, um, so that people can get, you know, mental health counselors and are not, you know, need to get reimbursed for the work that they do. And I think there's some issue of having enough access so that these, the, the people that we have that are trained have the opportunity to do it. Uh, that probably didn't make a lot of sense, but um, I think some of it is access from making sure that we have qualified professionals who are paid well to do what they do. We're not asking it to be, you know, make people rich, but to make right. sure that we have, you know, the, that they are being reimbursed appropriately to do that. Um, but I hope that if anything comes out of this crisis, it's that people see the um, value in mental health support and that we will make sure that there are provisions so that people, there are enough people for the people that need it. You know, it sounds like there were, you know, thousands of people who volunteered to be on these emotional support hotlines that were former um, trained people to do that, at least here in New York State. Um, and I just hope it does cause a culture shift because I think that, you know, positive mental health and the kind of work that you do and making sure that people feel comfortable talking about it is one of the biggest factors in suicide prevention. Um, and, you know, because if we can talk about how we're feeling then we are, you know, we talk about it and especially in Talk Saves Lives is that what you can do to protect someone is to give them space and time. Time for the crisis to pass, which often isn't long. Um, and space from their feelings of crisis and um, the means that they've been considering and um, and, pos and being able to develop skills of resilience and the willingness to talk to other people and the willing to identify that I am struggling, right? 
mean, you guys sure. both have are, are so courageous to talk about your struggle and it shouldn't have to feel courageous. It should just be commonplace. But right now it does take the courage to show other people that they can talk about it too. It's to show the common humanity in us all. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. speaking of which, we're going to finish it up. What, um, what Talk Saves Lives are you doing? I know there's some Talk Saves Lives that you're doing virtually. And I know we have some programming coming up that I wanted to include in our show notes. And including this week, we have one coming up virtually that people can sign up for. Do you yep. have some dates? Yeah. Um, this Thursday night, we are doing one um, at 5.30 in the afternoon. Um, we're also doing one at 9 in the morning on June 2nd. And we are doing one, I'm moving my calendar so I remember, at, <coughs> excuse me, one o'clock in the afternoon um, on the 12th of June. Um, we did them different times of day so that um, people do have an opportunity to attend. But that's also another thing is that if you, if your listeners are part of an organization or a club or a church group or um, a lodge that is looking for things to do virtually. Um, we have not only our Talk Saves Lives, we also have a mental health presentation, which talks a little bit about what AFSP does, but also tips for mental health. Um, in this time, we also wanna share that um, AFSP has their own COVID-19 resource page that has all sorts of mental health supports, as well as you know, we see all sorts of negativity, sometimes on social media, lots of positive social media graphics that you can share freely. And it's afsp.org slash COVID-19. Um, and that, you know, we're, we're, we're also doing virtual stuff to get people engaged in our walks, um, which is an opportunity for everybody to come out and really be with other people and, and stand publicly and say, we are all for the ability to talk positively about mental health. And it's not, and that is suicide prevention. Um, so our walks are not just for those people who have lost someone, but also for us to all stand up and say, we can together stop suicides by talking positively about mental health. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of this busy holiday weekend. We appreciate it so much. My yeah, pleasure. Thank you. thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And again, everyone, don't forget to star, scribe, share the podcast on Apple because it'll make it easier for people to find us. Uh, we are, we do have five stars, so that's pretty cool, man. That's not bad. It's <laughs> about, about as many stars as you can get. So thank you very much again for joining us in episode 52. And until next week, be well, be safe, be above. Above Ground Podcast is in no way intended to be a substitute for professional help in any manner or degree. We are not therapists, doctors, or professionals in the medical field. These are the opinions and experiences of two individuals just like you, our peers, who live with mental illness and all of its conditions. If you or anyone you know are experiencing a mental health crisis, please go to your nearest emergency room, call 911, or you can call the National Suicide Hotline 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. 8255. Be well, be safe, be above.